Welcome to episode 57 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be talking about squat depth, piriformis syndrome, and what causes forward head posture. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? It seems like it's been a little bit of a while because we... um, we had two episodes uh, on Wednesday and Friday, but they're all geared towards online training. So for those of you who actually listen for um, just the Q&A portion of it, um, I think uh, we'll go right back on track to that sort of genre. Yeah. Um, something that kind of struck a chord last week with a bunch of the followers on Instagram was, um, so there was, um, there was a post that we put up last, um, last Tuesday or something. It was a barbell hip thrust. So that's where basically your shoulders are on a bench and a barbell is resting on your hips and you bridge your hips up in order to strengthen your glutes, your posterior chain, um, all that sort of good stuff. And basically there were, there were a lot of comments saying that um, why we advocate to keep the neck relatively neutral throughout the movement when there are a lot of people that say that pushing your chin down as you lift your hips up will help facilitate and activate more glutes and make it more uh, more of a glute recruiting exercise, basically. And we got a lot of those comments. And so I put something up on um, Instagram stories, just kind of like basically stating where we're coming from. And one of the things that I talked about was that there's a really big difference between health and fitness. And we can kind of, so, okay, so go back to this. Health is is more along the lines of like your overall well-being, your functionality, and your vitality. And fitness can be categorized more in terms of the pursuit of better aesthetics, strength, and let's say sports performance, just things like that. And now we can try to um, get both of those better at the same time. And that can really happen, but really only if you take a long-term approach with it. So health and fitness can be improved at the same time as long as you take a longer-term approach and make very sustainable, smart choices with your training, your eating, your recovery, um, all that sort of good stuff. What happens is people start to prioritize their fitness over their health. And when that happens, people start to crash diet in order to uh, look a certain way or they'll maybe they'll push through pain or they'll push through mobility restrictions and they'll push through a lot of different issues in order to try to get stronger or maybe they'll take supplements and steroids in order to get better sports performance and all these are essentially just little shortcuts and little tweaks that we try to do in order to get the effect that we want the outcome that we want from a fitness standpoint and so we think that sometimes like we get a little bit too carried away and try to outsmart our bodies and the way it works. And so we think that just jamming your chin down at the top of your hip thrust, it might recruit more glutes and it might give you better fitness, quote unquote. But how does it affect the long term, just longevity of your of your neck positioning? Like We just don't want to promote things that are very unnatural in order to gain a fitness effect because it it eventually has a detrimental effect on your health, right? Right. Um, so something that we see, uh, you know, other advice that we see is powerlifters recommending uh, people when they deadlift to really round their upper back over 
um, in order to decrease the range of motion and allow them to lift more weight. Um, you see powerlifters do this all the time and it's perfectly acceptable for their sport because again, it's for fitness, it's for their sport, it's for a very specific purpose. But as far as our channel goes, we're always looking out for the best interest of our followers uh, from a health standpoint before a fitness standpoint. And so we're always gonna advocate things that are gonna be much more long-term, much more sustainable, and much more beneficial from a health standpoint before trying to just chase fitness just for fitness sake. Yeah, exactly. And we do the same thing from a nutrition standpoint as well. Yeah. So with nutrition, we're always talking about like really taking it slow in terms of changes that you make because the more changes that you try to make at once and the more drastic of a change you try to make, the less time it usually lasts and the less it usually sticks. And Mm so, but it's so tempting to do that if you have... an upcoming wedding or something, you know, pressing. And so sometimes we will say like, sure, let's go ahead and do this like quick fix for now because you have this deadline. But then let's also take it a step back and think about your life as a whole and how like much time you hopefully have, (laughs) right. To, to achieve the things that you're looking to achieve. And let's actually do it in a way that helps you maintain it for a long time and helps you be healthy for a long time, as opposed to, fluctuating up and down and up and down, which is so unhealthy for your body. Totally. Um, so it's all, all aspects of the things that we talk about. We, we think about it in terms of this long-term approach, um, and, and longevity and, and sustainability. Yeah. And it's funny because the more we preach this long-term sustainable approach, the more we realize that the results actually come quicker by prioritizing health over <laughs> yeah. fitness. Uh, crazy concept, right? <laughs> um, but a lot of people view the two as a very similar thing, but there are um, some pretty big differences that we wanted to point out and just just wanted to put out there that you always want to take into account. Health is going to be your number one, your foundation, and then all of your fitness goals and aspirations kind of lie on top of that sort of uh, foundation of health. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Let's go on our questions. <laughs> Some of our friends were like, wow, Jason, Jason, you got so heated in that Instagram <laughs> story. <laughs> but you're passionate about it. it yeah. Shows. It's something I'm interested in. And yeah. just, um, you know, it's, it, they're all stuff that we um, used to do as coaches as well. We would try right. to eke out every little last bit of um, performance in a specific lift and like every little strategy to help you press two more kilograms or yeah yeah. and just uh we've become much more reasonable with it just because we've worked with so many people and like the people that we work with just aren't that concerned about that they're more worried about just the the rest of their lives like can they play with their kids can they have less joint pain can they just function well on an everyday basis and they're just not going to remember their PR that they hit on the bench press because they really arched so hard that their lower back spasmed <laughs> yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, cool. Um, all right. So we'll get into the questions. We've got three for today. This first one is from Aldo Mauricio Lara. <laughs> cool. um, and they asked, hi, I have this question. How deep should we go down in a back squat? Is it bad to use the rebound when passing from eccentric to concentric movement? Thanks and cheers from Mexico. I thought this was a great question because um, a lot of times on Instagram, you'll see, especially Olympic weightlifters, they'll come down and they'll really take advantage of the stretch reflex and just bounce out of the hole and pop back up. Yeah. So that eccentric to concentric, if you don't know those, that terminology, mm-hmm. the eccentric is the way down of the, the descent of the squat and the concentric is the way up. And so he's referring to like a bounce between the way down and the way up as opposed to a pause or yeah, just distinct like, pause. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so as far as the first part of the question, how far you should go, um, this really depends on the person. So what we're always looking for is having the person descend down into the squat to that eccentric portion. And basically we're just noting when that lower back wants to tuck under, um, commonly referred to as butt wink. Um, and basically we'll either put a box right above that point or we'll just tell them verbally, hey, stop right at that point. And we'll try to have them match that there. Um, for some people, that might be full, totally your butt to your calves kind of thing. Or for some people, it might be, you know, like not that Slightly big of a range parallel. of motion. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so everyone's going to be a little bit different based on their mobility and their stability and stuff like that. So we basically meet the person where they're at and then just slowly try to increase that range of, range of motion over time. Um, as far as the bounce goes... You know, I think, so I utilize the bounce, um, and I think it's a good technique to use once you've established a good foundation of just normal squatting where you actually have a slight distinct pause. Um, we like to slow things, slow things down for our members, so we like to have um, places where we really focus on the eccentric portion. So maybe what you can do is spend about a month or so working on three to four to five second deliberate slow lower down squats where you lower down for about five seconds and then come up normal speed um, and then maybe the next month you work on the isometric portion where you hang out at the bottom so you come down normally and then you pause at the bottom for three four five seconds and then you come up and then maybe the next month you can work on three four five second concentric movements where you come down normally you pause at the bottom for like a split second and then you slow down that concentric motion on the way back up for about five seconds or so and then after that if you feel like you're pretty competent in that range of motion if you feel like you can reach um, full depth without any um, concerns on your lower back then you can try experimenting and see how a little bit of a bounce um, might assist you at that very bottom portion would you agree with that yeah totally I, I think that sometimes if you try to use the bounce too early it ends up masking a weakness somewhere. That's um, true. Yep. So, and I think that's why some people might go to it early on. Um, yep. We don't want it to mask anything. We want it to only enhance what you already have, the strength that you already have. Mm. Um, so, if you're like, if you're not really strong at the bottom, and you try to bounce out of the bottom to mask that, you're going to end up injuring something. Yeah. Um, or knee. just it's not going to get you very far. Yeah, exactly. Um, like your knees will end up just like collapsing right before you lift up or your lower back might aggressively tuck under right before you lift up. Right. Um, you'll see all these little things happen because you just don't have stability at the bottom. You're just using it to you're just using speed to mask the uh, the issue like Lauren just said. Right. So it, I like just like Jason said, working on each of those portions, the eccentric, the isometric, and the concentric <clears throat> will definitely help you to build strength in all of those places. So if you watch Jason, he does bounce at the bottom of his squat, but nothing changes during that bounce. His knees yes. don't cave in, his back doesn't tuck. It's just, he's just utilizing it to help him get back up out of the hole in, in order to basically lift more weight because he's mm -hmm. competing in a power, in a uh, Olympic lifting meet and trying to actually be able to get a little bit more weight on the bar. Whereas if he was, if you were just doing it for like overall health is what like we were talking about before you mm -hmm. probably do a slight pause yeah i probably do a very slight pause yeah. at the bottom and then come right back up yeah and um, it's not a pause it's just not a bounce 
Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you don't have to hold it at the bottom. Yeah. It's really just hit the bottom range of motion and then with the same speed you're descending down in, start descending up with. Yes. So that's really what we're talking about. Instead of, I shouldn't say pause because it, you really don't need to like sit there with the yeah, bar unless totally. you're focusing on the isometric portion. Um, but really it's just maintaining speed. Uh, the same speed on the way down as the way up. Yeah. And it's really specifically for Olympic lifting. Um, if someone was powerlifting or if someone was, let's say, um, looking for hypertrophy and wanted uh, better like leg aesthetics, I would actually definitely recommend not bouncing out of the hole. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, good question. Yeah. And the depth, like Jason said at the beginning is definitely just dependent on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't believe in the whole like, Oh, you have to get your, like, the whole ass to grass thing. <laughs> ATG. That's the first time I swore first on the podcast. First curse on the podcast. Or kind of like ever. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's one of those people that are like, oh, doggone, darn, dinner leap. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> I don't really swear very much, but that's just, like, become such a common phrase yeah. that I can't even think of a better way of saying it. But anyway. All right. Cool. So that's what we've got for you for that question. Moving on to number two. This one's from Tom Cannell. 82. And he said, hi guys, would you please be able to post some guidance on stretching the piriformis muscle for those such as myself who suffer from piriformis syndrome? Um, and then also to add to that, I get very aggravated sciatic nerve from it, but you probably already know that. <laughs> okay. So piriformis syndrome, um, your piriformis is a small muscle in your hip and it's responsible for external rotation. And basically all that means is that let's say you're laying on your side with your knees tucked Um, basically that top knee is responsible for moving up towards the ceiling, Uh, kind of like a clamshell. If you've ever done like physical therapy before, it's pretty common exercise. Um, now here's the tricky part. The piriformis is one of six hip external rotators. So there's six of those muscles in there, in your hip, and it's impossible to tell and really pinpoint which muscles actually causing whatever dysfunction is happening. And so piriformis syndrome has become this sort of um, just broad general term to encompass um, some sort of level of hip pain. And so it becomes uh, people start to zero in on just the piriformis, but it's impossible to purely isolate the piriformis during a stretch and impossible to tell whether or not that's the actual cause in the first place. So we just have to take a little bit of a step back and say, okay, this person is having a pain in their hip, a pain in their butt, right? <laughs> and so usually why this is happening is because it's the piriformis, or not the piriformis, sorry, retract. <laughs> the hip musculature is overworked for some reason. And basically it's either inflamed or it's spasming or whatever it might be. It's causing pain. And it's also because it's inflamed, it's pressing up against the sciatic nerve and also sending shooting uh, like pain, uh, you know, down your leg. And so what we really want to take a look at is not necessarily stretching. We think that stretching the hip external rotators in this fashion uh, might actually aggravate it even more because it's already inflamed to start to ag- aggressively stretch it. Let's say doing a pigeon pose or putting your leg up on a box and really going, going to town at that hip can really actually irritate it even more. So what we want to try to do is figure out what's going on. And a lot of times what's happening is the core isn't really doing its part to take off pressure off your hips. 
And so if your core isn't doing enough of its job during everyday life, lifting, or whatever activities that this person does, the hips eventually end up trying to tighten and compensate for a slightly um, less efficient core. So that's what we need to take a look at. More than likely, some general core strength and exercise will help alleviate um, whatever pressure is being placed on the hips. So probably getting, getting looked at by a physical therapist so they can really recommend some very specific hip activation drills, maybe clamshells, maybe glute bridging, things like that. But also putting into your repertoire things like marching on your back, um, dead bugs on your back. These are all exercises that we talked about at length on this podcast. Um, but just things to get your core um, firing in a neutral position, rib cage down, lower back down to the floor type of positioning, and make sure it's um, firing properly during all these activities that this person might be doing rather than having the hips take the brunt of the stress. Yeah, I, I was just talking to someone about this today during a strategy session that I was uh, doing at Achieve. So a new person came in and she was like, my hamstrings are always tight. And this is slightly different, but it's related. So yeah. she's like, my hamstrings are always tight. And then I had her lay on her back and do a leg raise, like just raise one leg up to the ceiling. And she could practically like kiss her thigh. Like, <laughs> she brought her leg so far. And I was like, your hamstrings are not tight, (laughs) but her hamstrings feel tight. And so she is sitting in kind of, when I looked at her posture, she's in pretty like good pelvic tilt. So her lower back is arched. Um, and you can tell that when she, I had her also do, um, like a push up test, just see from the ground, if she could press herself up, Mm. keeping her body in a straight line and she kind of arched her back and sagged through her core. So what we see there is not tight hamstrings, even though she feels like they're tight. Right. What we actually are seeing is a core dysfunction that's causing her hamstrings to overwork in a, in a way that's making them feel really tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it can be the same thing. So it just can show up in different places for different people. So yeah. for this individual, it's showing up in the piriformis. For her, it's showing up in the hamstrings. For some people, it shows up in the calves. Yeah. Um, but a, a core dysfunction can actually show up as something completely different. And when we put all of the emphasis on fixing that thing, the hip, the piriformis, the hamstrings, mm-hmm. we realize, and you probably, this person who messaged us probably has done a lot of piriformis rolling and yep, a lot stretching, of stretching and yep. all this stuff, and they still feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Um then if that's the case for you, it's probably not really the cause of the issue. It's probably just what's happened the effect yeah. of what's actually going on. Yeah. And for someone like, uh, let's say the person that you met with today, um, I mean, if, if we had recommended just aggressively stretching hamstrings and loosening hamstrings, that would actually make just everything worse overall because the hamstrings are feeling tight because they're overworked and your body's basically trying to put as much tightness around that area as possible to try to increase stability in that area. So if you try to stretch it out, that increases instability and basically it would just make for a much um, less stable Stable. (laughs) base of support for you. So yeah, yeah, just um, stretching is not always the first thing to go, making sure you're just trying to find the actual root cause of the issue. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. And then final question of the day. This one's from Lil Spruel, 29. <laughs> um, Spreewell. Spreewell. Spreewell? Yeah. Oh, how do you know? Um, they used to be a basketball player, basketball player on the Knicks. Oh. I'm just going to assume that this person is related or 
It is Latrell Spiro. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that would be pretty cool. So he said, hey, guys, I have forward head posture, and I am progressively working on certain muscle groups to improve that. My question, though, isn't about how to fix a problem, but more so how I got there. Should I be concerned with how frequently I'm looking down at my phone, especially long term, since it led to this poor posture? Or can I continue being the habitual texter, grammar, and tweeter that I am as long as I <laughs> continue to work on my posterior chain? Um Cool. Yeah, I really like this question a lot. Um, You know, actually going along with the piriformis syndrome and forward head posture, um, we also hear things like scapular winging and disc bulges, um, all these like very common terms and that that often get um, that often get diagnosed with people and people start to identify with that sort of terminology. Right. And it's like they sort of become this injury and really like when you kind of take a step back they're really not that big of a deal like as long as you work on your movement as long as you just do things right from a training nutrition recovery standpoint these things will all resolve itself Um, but what, what ends up happening is people start to attach to these labels so much that it almost perpetuates the pain even further. Um, so just the first thing to note is that, you know, if you have any of these things, as long as you sort out a proper intervention, like you're going to be totally fine. Um, as long as it's not some like massively traumatic injury that you've actually experienced. But, you know, for the most part, all these things can be treated. Um, just know that your body's very resilient and will bounce back in no time. Um, in terms of forward head posture and just overall like quote unquote bad posture, Really, the only bad posture there is, is one that is totally stuck in a specific posture and can't move away from it. Mm -hmm. And so if you ever watch me either edit the podcast (laughs) or edit my videos or type on emails, like my posture is horrendous. Like people often remark like, like even our members are like, Jason, you got to sit up straight. Like, what are you doing? Um, But when I stand up, I can really easily get out of that posture. And actually my posture when I'm standing is actually quite good. Um, And so it's not that big of a concern for me because I know that I have the option to go into these postures. It's only if someone is stuck in this sort of like hunchback or forward head posture and can't get out of it no matter how much they're cued or how much they're like, Uh, manipulated by a therapist um, is when it becomes an issue. Yeah. I mean, I actually, so it's so funny because I'm the opposite. People look at me sitting and they're like, like literally I'm not even leaning against my chair right now. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) Stick straight upright. I'm slouching so heavily. (laughs) (laughs) If you could see us, you would be laughing because I literally look like a ballerina right now. And Jason's just like hunched over. But I actually am the one who started to experience some issues from my posture because I was actually getting very stuck in this very straight upright posture. And I wasn't actually ever going into a flexed over like rounded position in just everyday activity. And I was starting to get some really bad knots and Mm -hmm. some like stiffness in my neck and my shoulders. And when I saw one of our PT friends, he actually was like, you need more flexion. You need to round your back more. So (laughs) it's text more. So it it, right. Just like Jason said, it's only, it only becomes an issue if you're stuck. So Mm -hmm. I was actually getting stuck in this very, (laughs) what other people would like 
you know, compliment me on like, Oh my gosh, you have great posture. But I was so stuck there that I actually was having some issues. So I had to work on actually get not slouching in my everyday life, but going through ranges of motion in my warmups and in my workouts that actually promoted some rounding over and some arching back. So I was going through full ranges of motion because your spine is meant to move. Yeah. You're supposed to be able to go through all those ranges of motion. So yeah, if you're, if your head is forward and you can't tuck your chin back or you can't look up or you can't look from side to side, that's a problem. Yeah. You need to be able to go into all those, like access all of those ranges of motion. If you can't, then you definitely need some interventions. You need to start working on that. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely like it's a little too tough to say like what might be causing the issue if you are stuck like that. So definitely just getting checked out by a physical therapist or um, a chiropractor or someone like that. We don't want to start like just cracking necks with a chiropractor, but just like having a self-care approach where maybe they'll have you do some like chin tucking exercises and some chest openers, uh, some T-spine openers, things like that, um, which they'll definitely recommend. Um, And then, and let's say you're not stuck in the posture and you know you can just get in and out of these postures then I would actually say just you're totally fine not worrying about it at all in terms of your texting habits and your computer habits or whatever it might be. As long as you're just doing some general remedial work, like literally everyone has a general forward head carriage just because of gravity and computer access and phone access and driving, like literally everything's slightly in front of you. So eventually you're going to have to lean forward a little bit. Um, but as long as you're doing just general exercises to, um, maintain a better balance, like maybe like rowing exercises during your strength training or some chest stretches during your warm ups, um, some general stuff like that, you're going to be totally fine for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So those are the answers we have to all of your burning questions for today. Thank you so much for sending those in. They were really great questions. If you have any more questions for us, definitely send them over to Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram, or you can send us an email at podcast at achievefitnessboston.com. Um, if you wouldn't mind leaving us an iTunes review, we would be so happy. Jason checks every day. He's so <laughs> happy day, when, you, when you leave a new one. It makes him smile. And I don't know if you've seen him smile on Instagram, but it's a really good smile. So. It's a big smile. Yeah. Um, and I think that's all we have for you today. So until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.